One of the most important documents you have in your property management business is your property management agreement. It defines the legal relationship you have with your owner client and ensures that you're behaving and that they are behaving within the confines of the legal law. I wanna share with you some of the top and most important clauses I believe you should have in your agreement. Now, I'm not gonna give you the standard type of clauses. I'm gonna talk about some that aren't as obvious, but that are the most essential and most important things that I think you should put in here. At the end of that, we're gonna take two questions. We're gonna hear from David who wants to know how to target accidental landlords as new owner clients. And also we're gonna hear from Wei who asks, what should the property manager's role be in overseeing insurance claim related property work? Here we go. Well, welcome my friends to another episode of the Property Management Business Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Cunningham. We talk about all things helping you build, grow, and protect your property management business. Let's talk about the property management agreement. Now I'm gonna be giving you some specific clauses, some specific language that we have in our property management agreement. Let me be very clear and do the disclaimer on the front end. This is not legal advice. I am not licensed in your state, wherever your state is. I'm not an attorney. I'm just giving you information for fun. What do they always say on the investment things? The information provided was strictly for entertainment purposes and should not be interpreted as legal or professional advice. I just did that off the top of my head. That's, that's a pretty impressive disclaimer, isn't it? So feel free to use any of the information I'm sharing with you here, but you need to make sure you run it by your attorney. Don't just build this stuff in and then blame me because I will deny I ever made this podcast if you do something illegal and then you get sued for it. So be careful with that. Let's talk about some of these. First thing I want to talk about is your owner reserves. Okay, Most PM companies have an owner reserve, meaning that owner client gives you some money and this reserve would be money that you can tap when is necessary to pay for expenses that may be incurred on a monthly basis between the time you pay the owner their money and then you sit around waiting to collect the rent from the tenant the next month. So we all have a reserve that should be in your PMA. But here's one thing we say in our section on the owner reserves after we define the amount of the reserve. We say this, broker, that's us, Broker may increase this reserve amount at any time with notice to owner should broker determine it is necessary for anticipated property expenses or other reasons as determined appropriate by broker. Ooh, that's pretty good. Meaning when the property is going to come vacant, the tenant has told us they plan on moving out of a property, we're going to go in and increase the reserve right then and there in anticipation of future potential turnover expenses. Then once those expenses are completed and the property is re-rented, we'll return the reserve back to its original amount. Or from time to time, maybe we just need to increase our overall reserve because the market demands it. We did that several years ago. You know, when we first started in this business, when my dad started this business in 1978, I believe our reserves on properties were maybe 50 bucks and then they went to 100 and then they went to 250 and then they went to 300 and then they're at 500. 
So we're already talking about now, do we have to increase that reserve again because they can become depleted so quickly? So I recommend potentially putting a clause that gives you the ability to increase the reserve if you deem that necessary. Now, what happens if you have to pay money on an owner's behalf? You're waiting for money and they say, well, take, the, take it out of the rent next month. Just go ahead and pay that utility bill now and then take it out of the tenant's rent next month. Well, you kind of can't do that, can you? That would be considered commingling if you were to use other people's money for that. And yes, you could do a loan to your owner client, but you may want to put something in your PMA that says something like this. If the broker does advance funds on owner's behalf, then any funds not paid to broker within 10 days of request shall bear interest at a rate of X number percentages per month because we all have to lend our owners money at some point in time. So maybe when you do, you make sure you're compensated for that. Because remember, you are not a bank. Another clause, as it relates to your authority to manage the property and manage the tenant, you need to make sure that this agreement gives you the legal authority that's necessary to effectively manage the property. One thing that this agreement gives us the authority to do is to terminate leases for the property, negotiate lease terminations, and serve notices of termination, settle, compromise, or withdraw any eviction or collection action, negotiate and make reasonable concessions to the tenants or former tenants in the property. That gives us control, the control we need to effectively manage the property on behalf of the owner. So if we need to offer the tenant a rent concession because they were without hot water for a week. We don't have to call the owner and say, gosh, can we give him a $25 rent concession? No, we have the authority to do that. Now, we're not going to abuse that on behalf of our owner clients. We do it to protect our owner clients. Next section, you should have something in your agreement that specifically allows you as the property management professional to hold the security deposits in trust. We do not allow our owner clients to hold their security deposits. Why? And I just answered the question. Did anybody catch that? Did you catch it? I gave you a hint. It's not their security deposit. Whose security deposit is it? It's the tenant's security deposit legally. So no, Mr. Owner, you cannot hold your tenant's security deposit. It belongs to the tenant legally, and we will hold it in trust. So we say... Security deposits shall be held by the broker in a trust account on behalf of the owner and financial responsibility of such security deposit is that of the broker. And then we say this, which is just as important. The disposition of security deposits of all tenants, whether the deposit is held by the broker or the owner, shall be the sole discretion of the broker. Ooh, that's good. So when the owner says, hey, I want you to charge him for those tack holes in the wall. These, those tack holes were not there when they moved in. And you say, you mean that little literal tack hole in the wall where they hung up a poster when they moved in here 17 years ago? Yes, charge them for that. No, we're not going to charge them for that. And if we truly get into a dispute with the owner, the PMA gives us the authority to do the security deposit disposition. Now, from a practical standpoint, if we truly are disputing that, if they say, no, I demand you charge for those tack holes, and we say, no, and they say, you will do it or else, in that case, we're going to give them the security deposit, 
and they can do the security deposit disposition themselves, and they can take on the risk of why they're withholding something that is not proper to be withheld. So we're not going to do that on their behalf. We know the law usually better than they do. And so we're going to make sure that we keep them out of trouble. Next paragraph. The owner agrees that the broker is not responsible for the collection of delinquent accounts. Broker assumes no liability for monies that are uncollectible or for any damages or costs related to the tenancy or the property. We kind of said two things in there. When an ex-tenant moves out of a property and they owe money, so maybe they owe some damages, they owe some rent, and the owner says, well, you're, you're going to go chase them down, right? You're going to go file a claim on their credit. What are you going to do? Well, you should have a process in place for that. But we want to write into our PMA that we are not legally responsible for collection of delinquent accounts. Once they move out, we do have a process, and we explain to our owner clients what that process is, that we turn it over to a collection company, and we actually do a lot of that internally, but we're under no legal obligation to go chase and chase and chase because that's not the business we're in. We're in the property management business. And then part two of what I just read there said that we assume no liability for monies that are uncollectible or for any damages or costs related to the tenancy and the property. That should be rather straightforward, but sometimes owners think that you should have to pay for the hole in the wall if the tenant didn't pay for the hole in the wall. So make sure you define that. What about hiring vendors and repair contractors? Every company is going to have a clause in their property management agreement that gives a dollar amount under which you may do the work before you have to get your permission from your owner clients. And we have that as well. But we have a second sentence I think you'll find interesting. Our sentence says this. Uh, we, are, we are authorized to hire contractors to repair, maintain, or alter the property provided that the broker does not exceed more, and then you put in your dollar amount, more than X number of dollars for any single repair, maintenance item, or alteration without owner's consent. But then it says this, unless the repair is deemed necessary by the broker. So what does that mean? Well, most of us have a dollar threshold in there on how much money we can spend on our owner client's behalf without asking their permission and let's just pretend it's let's pretend it's $100. So you say, hey, anything over $100, I will contact you before I spend. And uh, the kitchen sink breaks, and it's going to be $120. So does that mean you can't fix the kitchen sink until your owner tells you it's okay? Yeah, it kind of does. Unless you have a clause, like I just read, that says unless the repair is deemed necessary by the broker. So in that case, we're going to replace the kitchen sink. And then if the owner were to say, hey, you can't spend $120 on a kitchen sink without asking me. It says right there in my property management agreement. We would respond and say, well, it says unless that repair is deemed necessary. And in this case, Mr. Owner Client, we deemed that repair necessary because the tenant needs water in their kitchen. So yes, it was over 100. We didn't ask for your permission because we deemed the repair necessary. Now, this is a fine line to walk. This is not a license to abuse your owner clients and spend their money inappropriately. Everything must be done with their best interests in mind, keeping in consideration you need to protect the property, protect the health and safety of the tenant as well. But you just want to make sure that you have the authority you need 
to fix things when they need to, and the owner doesn't become a bottleneck to keeping the property from being repaired. Another section we have talks about the owner's cooperation. There's a whole section in here that say things that the owner agrees to. For example, one of the things that says the owner agrees to not hold the broker responsible for personal property left by the owner on the property. Owner will remove all personal property from the property. We do not like, we do not allow personal property to be left behind. So when the owner says, well, you know, I've got this old lawnmower here. I'm just going to leave it in my back shed. And that way, if the tenant wants to use it, they can use it. And that sounds nice, but it's not. Because if you leave it behind, you now have some liability with that lawnmower. So what we say is, hey, Mr. Owner, that's very nice of you to consider. The problem is, if the tenant's using your lawnmower and they cut off their big toe, guess who has the liability? Yes, you may have some liability there, Mr. Owner, because you gave them the lawnmower, which malfunctioned and cut off their toe. It would, as nice as it is for you to want to leave the mower, just don't leave it. Give it away, sell it, throw it away. I don't care. But don't leave any personal property behind. You can't, you can't protect it. You, can't, you have to maintain it. It's just not worth the risk. We say that for all personal property. We also say the owner agrees to not contact, deal with, or negotiate any prospective or current tenant in the property concerning any matter related to the management or leasing of the property, but will refer all such dealing to the broker. We want to make sure that the owners don't have ongoing regular contact with the tenant. That's what they're hiring us for. So Mr. Owner, if something, if you drive by and there's a cat in the window and they're not supposed to have any cats, please don't go knock on their door and say, why is that cat here? You call us and we will take care of the cat. But you want to make sure that all communication runs through us so that we can make sure we're keeping you legally protected and we're doing things properly. We have another section. That says the owner agrees that if the property is vacant, then the owner may choose to coordinate repairs. However, during this time period, the broker will not advertise the property for rent until repairs are completed. So what does that mean? That means while the property is occupied, Mr. Owner, we are going to be handling repairs. We don't let the tenant call you directly for repairs. Uh, we will not call you for repairs. We will use licensed and properly vetted third-party vendors for repairs. However, this is what we just read here. When the property is vacant, absolutely. You are free to go in and do whatever repairs you want to do on your property. You can repaint it. You can refurbish it. Whatever you want to do. But while it's occupied, no. That does need to run through us. And we have to control access for the liability of the property and the protection of the tenant. Another section as it relates to the lease renewal process. How involved should your owner client be in the lease renewal process? That could become a bottleneck in the process. So what we say is the owner agrees that if the owner does not want the broker, that's us, to perform a lease renewal, then the owner must notify the broker in writing a minimum of 120 days prior to the lease expiration date. So what we're not gonna do, Mr. Owner Client, is call you and say, hey, the, the tenant wants to renew their lease. What do you think we should do? We're not gonna do that. 
you are hiring us as a full service property management company. Full service means we do it all, which includes lease renewals. So if you don't want us to renew the lease, or if you want to be involved in that conversation of setting the renewal rate, that's fine, but you need to contact us a minimum of 120 days prior to that lease coming up for expiration. Okay, next section. You need to define your scope of services. That is one of the primary purposes of a property management agreement is to define what you do and just as importantly, define what you don't do. Real estate is a big umbrella, my friends. Property management is a big umbrella. You can make the argument that you have to do a lot of things under that big umbrella of property management. And you can find, if you're not careful, that you're doing way too many things under that umbrella of property management. If you've ever driven to a property and taken the owner's mail out of their mailbox and then driven to the post office and FedEx that mail to them, that's probably not something that should be within the scope of property management services. If you've ever had an owner client call you and say, hey, you know, we have that koi pond in the back there and uh, we forgot to feed the koi. Would you, just, would you just drive over there? Just take a few minutes of your time, drive over and feed the koi. And, and while you're there, would you pull the trash cans in the garage? Because we forgot to put them back in the garage. And so those need to be out there. And then there's just a couple weeds that are growing up uh, in the rocks. If you could just, just real quick pull those as well. And suddenly you realize that you are doing maintenance. You're doing work on behalf of your owner clients. And that work has to be done, but is that part of standardized property management services or not? So you want to have a clause in your PMA that specifically says what property management services do not include. So for example, ours says normal property management does not include monthly inspections, representations at court hearings, depositions, homeowner meetings, providing on-site management, property sales, preparing property for sale, supervising and coordinating modernization, rehabilitation, fire, or major damage restoration projects, obtaining income tax, accounting or legal advice, and it goes on and on and on. Now, if we do those things, that's fine, but it says there would be an additional fee involved. So we can certainly have those things done for you, Mr. Owner, but that's really not part of the standard day-to-day -day operations for property management. Next section, you need to have a section that says broker is not responsible or liable for, and then list things that you're not responsible or liable for. So for example, you're not responsible for damage to the property. You're not responsible for any late fees that the owner may incurred because of late or insufficient payments from the tenant. There are things that you are not responsible for. Next section is on attorney fees. So we have a section in our PMA that says this. If the owner or the broker is a prevailing party in any legal proceeding brought as a result of a dispute under this agreement or any transaction related to or contemplated by this agreement, such party will be entitled to recover the non-prevailing party all costs of such proceedings and reasonable attorney fees. <sighs> That's a lot. Not to exceed, and then we put a dollar amount in there. What that means is, Mr. Owner, if we against each other, if we find ourselves in court arguing against each other, right? You sue us or we sue you, the, the losing party pays the prevailing party's attorney fees, but those fees will be capped at X number of dollars. 
It's basically a keep the attorneys away provision. Now, Mr. Owner-Client, in our 45 years in history, we have never gone to court against an owner-client or we've never been sued by an owner-client. I don't think that's ever going to happen. If we get in a dispute with each other, we will work it out. I promise. But if something crazy were to happen and we find ourselves in the court against each other, attorney fees would be capped at a very reasonable amount. Now, I think it's just a reasonable provision to have in your PMA. It tells you how reasonable they are. We recently had a prospective owner client who was considering hiring us and he was talking to one of our executive property managers. The executive property manager came into my office and said, Mark, I've got a question. Uh, got a great owner. Everything looks great. He's got one request for a change in the property management agreement. I said, oh, okay, what is it? And he said, well, it's that section about attorney fees. He wants that stricken. Stricken? Striked? Stroken? Strong? He wants that gone from the PMA. Uh, would we be willing to do that? And I said, okay, let, let me get this straight. He's fine with everything in our PMA, giving us control, letting us hold the deposit, everything we just talked about, fine with everything. The one thing he is not okay with is the clause that says, hey, if you sue us, you can only get X number of dollars in attorney fees. Like he wants us to have unlimited attorney fees available to him in the case that he sues us. That's the one thing he's not comfortable with. My executive property manager slowly started to see what I was getting at and said, oh yeah, I said, yeah, exactly. That's crazy. Like if that's his deal killer, then that's the deal killer. So no, not only will we not strike that, I don't think we want to work with this guy because he's already figuring out what he's going to do when he sues us. That's not a wise involvement for us to be in. Okay, final, well, not quite final, almost final, assignment. Now, this does not pertain to your operational ability to work with your owner clients, but the value of your property management company is impacted by how easily your PMAs are assignable to a buyer. If we decided we wanted to sell our property management company, we could assign these PMAs to a buyer. So it's very important to have a proper assignment clause in your PMA. It will simply increase the value of your company. All right, we're almost done. A couple more here. We have a clause that says locks will be rekeyed each time a new tenant occupies the property at the owner's expense. That should be rather straightforward, but most states I'm aware of do not require locks to be rekeyed. I think you should do that. We have a clause that defines wear and tear. Oh, we could talk about that for the next 25 minutes. Put it in your PMA. Here's what wear and tear is. You understand wear and tear may occur, and in which case it is not a tenant responsibility. It's part of the operational constraints of managing a property. Another one, put in a clause as it relates to service animals. We say that owner understands that state and federal law govern service animals and emotional support animals. Those animals are not legally considered pets and therefore pet policies do not apply. Whew. That's a lot of stuff. That is a lot of stuff. My friends, now that's just, I'm scratching the surface. Your PMA needs to include a lot of things in there. And again, none of this is legal advice. You need to have your attorney look it all over Make sure it's all correct. We do offer our property management agreement as, form, as part of our forms package. 
if you want to get a copy of ours along with many other forms that we provide in fully editable format, just jump on our website, pmbuild.com and click on our forms package over there and see what we have in place. But my friends, you've got to make sure your property management agreement is properly set up. It's reviewed regularly. It's not so unfair that it's unfair to your owner clients, but it's the legal doc that defines the legal relationship and it's important and necessary. You know, one thing we don't put in our property management agreement, but it certainly is in our lease agreement, is what do we do when the tenant experiences a pest control problem, right? Maybe falls coming along and they, they're in the kitchen and they see the mouse run across the kitchen floor, or worse yet, they see the termite, or they think there might be even bed bugs. Ugh. Did you know that 84% of households experience a pest infestation every year? And 70% of residents that have to be responsible for it, they pick a DIY option and it doesn't work. Well, there's a solution now for you and me as property managers. It's called Pest Share. Pest Share. I love the name of that company because you're it makes you like, wait, I, do I share my pests? No, you don't share your pests. But this is resident pest control made really, really simple. Give your residents an opportunity to have the problems with their pests taken care of so you don't have to take care of it, but they can get it taken care of for you. It's a real no-brainer. Property managers are charging, the, they're changing the resident experience with Pesher. And by the way, they often do charge for that. So this can be part of your resident amenity package. Your tenants pay a resident amenity fee. And part of that gives them protection from pests. It helps decrease your vacancy rate. Right? People want to stay in place. It frees up your team's time because you don't have to take the calls. It goes right to the Pesher folks and they can take care of that. It really beefs up your resident amenity package. I, I know these guys. It's a cool program. It's a unique program. It's something different you can give to your tenant residents to improve their experience with you. Your owners are going to like it. Your tenants are going to like it. Jump on their website, pestshare.com and get the demo. Find out how you can build this in, elevate the experience that you're giving them, increase your income because it's part of, don't forget, it's part of your resident amenity program, pestshare.com. Check them out. So this question comes from David. David said, hi, Mark. In a recent video, you mentioned potentially educating owners who have these sub 3% interest rates and they don't want to sell. They decide to become landlords. Are you aware of any PM successfully creating a campaign to educate owners and also target those with the attractive interest rate to become landlords? Great question, David. And a very good, timely question because we need to be paying attention to this in our industry. I believe the majority of the leads that you are going to experience, David, in the next 12, 24, 36, 48 months are going to be from owner clients who don't consider themselves investors. Rather, they have a rental property. Excuse me. They have a property. They're living in it. They're going to move. And suddenly they think, gosh, I've got a 2.95% interest rate. Never thought about being a landlord before, but I don't want to give that up. Let's turn this into a rental. And they're going to suddenly think of contacting a property management company. So how do we find them? Number one, you've got to be findable. You're not going to find them. They're going to find you. This is the inbound marketing. Because what they're going to do is they're going to go online. And they're going to type into Google something like this. Should I rent or sell my house? 
you better have some information on your website that talks about should you rent or sell your house. You should have something on there that talks about the idea of keeping a low interest rate and becoming a real estate investor. Educate, educate, educate. That is the information you've got to put on your website so that you're findable to those owner landlords, David. So that's not a real uh, sexy answer, but that's the best answer I give you. That's what we do. We focus on that. Focus on those pain points of those owner clients and they will come find you instead of you having to reach out to them. Way asks a question here. She says, let's pretend that a tenant bumped into the owner's garage door, damages light. The tenant refuses to use their own money and decided to file a claim insurance. As soon as they start the process, the renter starts to call us. The renter's insurance company calls us asking for questions and we're getting sucked into the insurance process. What do we do? That can be a hard one. That can be a really, really hard one. So when those things happen, as much as possible, we want to try to stay out of the insurance claim related work. When you have those owners that have owner insurance claim related work, maybe you charge an additional fee for that. If it's tenant insurance, sometimes you do end up getting stuck in the middle. At a minimum, have a fee in place to offset the time. When you invest significant time in this, you have to. You have to offset the costs involved for that. Again, not a very great answer for you, but Insurance claim-related work is a hard part. Now, if you have significant owner insurance claim-related work, maybe you just step out. Right? If the property burns down, maybe you just totally step out, cancel your PMA, and simply let the owner work directly with their insurance. So as much as is possible, avoid insurance claim work. It can be really difficult. Well, there you have it, my friends. Get your property management agreement updated. If it's been a few years or even months, since you've had an attorney review it, I suggest you have that done because having your PMA updated and fair is necessary to the success of your business. Hey, how else can we help you? Jump on our website, pmbuild.com. You'll find information to help you build, grow, and protect your property management company and whatever you need to do. Hey, I believe this is coming out towards the end of the year. We're excited for 2024, have some exciting things in place. So be watching and listening to the things that we'll be able to do for you as we help you build, grow, and protect your PM business. Until next time, my fellow property managers, I wish you success and happy new year.